God, I'm sorry. Help me give him one more clap offering and praise offering. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Chrissy. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Woo, I, told, I don't even know if I could have got through to preaching. I was feeling the Holy Spirit so real in this place this, this morning. Good morning to you, and I'm glad you're here. Hey, if you're new to Pentecost or Spirit-filled service, that, that, uh, let me explain. I don't have to, but I want to. Our God speaks. We serve a living God who's here, and he speaks. He speaks to his church, speaks through the Spirit. And so there are nine gifts of the Spirit. One of them is tongues, the gift of tongues. The other is interpretation. So it's by the same Spirit. So the same Spirit that edifies you personally edifies the body publicly. Are you all with that? Let me say it again because you maybe didn't catch it. The same Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Spirit that edifies you personally, edifies the body publicly. So as you use the Holy Spirit and tongues to pray in your own uh, prayer language, edifies your own spirit, that is personal edification. But how does God talk to his people? He uses the gifts of the Spirit. So if there's a tongue, none of us can understand it because it's an unknown tongue. So there's an interpretation afterward that explains what God was saying in the Spirit in the language of the people. Isn't God good? There's also prophecy, which is in the language of the people that edifies and encourages the body. And the gift of faith. How many feel like you need the gift of faith today? Well, he can give it. Amen. He certainly can give it. It's not like certain selective people get it. How many know God is no respecter of persons? If you need something, he's got it for you. And uh, I just feel his presence here today. I felt like I want to explain that to you if you're new to Oak Grove or new to Pentecost. Uh, Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Never be afraid of God. Come Wednesday night. We're having all of God classes uh, on Wednesday night. Starts at 6. And it's John Bevere on video series. It's powerful. Powerful. And uh, and God wants us to awe, reverence, respect, fear him. And uh, But he certainly doesn't want us to be afraid of him. So sometimes we come into church and we silence ourselves. It's amazing to me. Because we're not bashful on the on the uh, football stadium. How many Chiefs fans were in depression all week because they lost? If they'd have won, you'd have been praising like, ah! right? I know, because when LSU loses, my preaching is different. <laughs> not that really, not that bad. I could care less about the pig skin. I want the wine skin. <laughs> I want the new wine, amen? Hallelujah. And I just want to talk a little bit there here today. It's a missional kind of message, but it's also dealing with this little mini series that we started a few weeks ago about talking to God. And I hope it's edifying you. I hope it's helping you, teaching you, building you, building your faith, because God really wants us to talk to him. Uh, And he really wants us to listen when he talks to us. And so uh, wrong, wrong. uh, That is that's tonight's lesson. That is not today's lesson, so if you can find the one for today. Come back tonight. I'll be talking about pioneer missionaries. Uh, That's what threw me off. I was like, this is not a missions message, but let me see it is because I'm seeing that it is. Uh, This is not a missions message. This is a message, a powerful message I believe the Lord gave to me that is going to talk to us about how to hear from God because every time you try to talk to God, Satan tries to interrupt. Can I just say, have you ever talked to somebody who always interrupts? 
I haven't. I know you have. In fact, uh, sad to tell you that I have interrupted. I have been an interrupter. And uh, and before they can get everything out of their mouth, I am I am like I'm a little bit OCD, ADD, ADHD, DDDDDD. I got a few issues. <laughs> look at your look at your neighbor. And say you got issues too. Relax. We all got issues. <laughs> But but I'm always ready to go. I'm always on go. So I'm waiting for you to finish your statement. If you talk slow, I'm like, oh, just shoot me, right? Just shoot me, or I'll have to take a couple of pills to visit with you. So we're always trying to interrupt, and Satan's best at it, interrupting what God is saying. Not only does he interrupt when God speaks to you, he also um, he tries to intervene. Tries to put lies and in communication. If you know anything about communication, just talking and listening. In communication, if you have any gaps in communication, if there's a gap, if there's a void, uh, a misinterpretation, mis, mis, you know, uh, misunderstandings happen. Miscommunications happen, and so Satan is a devil, and he loves to take advantage of God's people. So, are we good to go? Say nay. Okay. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's not up there. Okay. Well, you're going to have to pull out your Bible and your pen and take notes by yourself. Maybe the Lord wants this. Maybe you will listen. I feel like sometimes I was teaching those students yesterday. Sometimes we cripple our people by putting everything on the. All they have to do is look. Don't even have to bring your Bible to church. You don't even have to read your Bible. Just, just go to the pew and veg out. What do you say, Ma? So we've been in this mini series between uh, the Book of Acts series, and uh, talking to God for me has been a powerful reality of how to communicate with God. Israel, we've used Israel uh, quite a bit, and uh, and they refused to talk to God. Remember, they sent Moses. No, we don't want to talk to God. You talk to God on our behalf, Moses. You're the man. So they elevate Moses. Just go. Just go so we don't have to. Can I tell you, as much as I love being your pastor, I can't take the place of you and God. You've got to talk to God. You can't wait for me to interpret to you what God is telling you because God has some things for you to know personally. But they were afraid of God. God is scary. God is unapproachable. So your biblical worldview of God matters. If you have a mindset that says God is unapproachable, God is scary. I don't want to be with God. I'm afraid of God. I mean, no, that is very detrimental to your prayer life. How in the world are you going to hear anybody if you're not in their presence? So why Moses said when, when God told him to go to Pharaoh, Moses said, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. First of all, I don't feel worthy. How many ever have been there? Some of the reasons we don't enter into the presence of God is because we don't feel worthy. Another reason is because we're kind of like, unsure of our abilities. But God's not concerned about your ability. He's worried about your availability. So your ability, Moses said, but but, 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 but God, I I have a a speech impediment. And God said, join the rest of the world. We all have problems. But I'll give you your brother to help you out. And so God uh, 
gave a command to Moses and Aaron. They were supposed to go to Pharaoh and let my people go. Let my people, people go. Four words. A lot of action in four words. And so Israel refused to talk to God. John Bevere said last Wednesday night that uh, Moses feared God, but Israel was afraid of God. So your biblical worldview matters. It's, if your mind is, is saying he, he's a terrible way, uh, then you'll never talk to God. So, so I can't get past Moses and Israel for the lessons that we can learn. I learned lessons from Moses' ministry, but I learned lessons from Israel's mistakes. And their misery, man, they were in misery, not Missouri. Because it doesn't matter what state you're in. You can be in Louisiana. Or Missouri, or misery. Doesn't matter. You got to talk to God. I said, you have to talk to God. What happens? Why don't people talk? When people are offended with each other, they don't move in and start talking. When they're offended with each other, they move away. They they separate, right? So Satan wants you to be offended with God so you won't be close to God, so you won't hear from God. Are y'all getting this so far? So so I, I can't, I can't. Get past it. In defense of Israel, they are God's chosen people. God chose them. Anybody here thankful that God chose you? See, if you'll get the right mindset about who your father God is, he wants you to come to him. Jesus said, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and learn from me. Take on my yoke. It's easy. And you will find rest for your soul. And so, God, hey. Voila, something happened. Somebody shout, God speaks. I figured if I would just, you know, meander a little while, it might come up. I worked hard for this. Thank you all up there for doing that. Appreciate it. And, um, and so in defense of Israel, they are God's people, but they, they got too attached with Egypt, and they were willing even to compromise and go back to Egypt rather than stay with God. And you know, the church of the 21st century is compromising a lot, a lot. They would do anything but get in the prayer meeting. They would do anything, worship anything, but don't make me go in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, I mean, you have to give an account, right? But can I tell you some benefits about being in the presence of God? In the presence of God, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. In the presence of God, there's peace beyond all measure. Your mind can't handle all that God has for you. So if you get the right mindset, then you'll have to learn how to communicate with God and not compromise with God. But they got too attached. And so I want to talk to you a little while about never negotiating with the devil. If you don't learn how to expose the enemy, if you don't learn how to know the tricks and schemes of the devil, he will mess up your prayer life. And your prayer life is the the very thing that, that moves you into faith. Your prayer life is the thing that helps you be well in your soul. It's not your work. It's not working for him. It's being with him. That's really all he wants. And he's called Israel to himself. Come out of Egypt. Come into the wilderness with me. I know it's a barren wilderness, but it doesn't matter what's around you. As long as you're with me, you're going to be all right. 
How I many know when you're with God, it doesn't matter if it's dry. Doesn't matter what you packed up to get out of there. Just get out of your sin, get out of your flesh, get out of the world, and come see me. So there are three enemies of the believer. The flesh, the world, and the devil. Those are the three enemies of the believer. And, and there's so many times we as Christians don't know how to progress forward in the promises of God, the plans of God, the purpose of God, because, because we let the enemy cheat us out of it. So 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. The word ignorant there means that, he's, that, that, that we're not ignoring. But the average person on the pew has no idea about real spiritual warfare. 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 Do you know worship this morning was warfare? Some of you had to press through in worship. I couldn't stop worshiping. Can I tell you, when you get in the presence of the Lord, tears come flowing down your face, and you begin to speak in a language you don't even know because the Spirit is coming up like rivers of living water. It's out of your control because you're in the presence of God. The kabod, C-A-B-O-D, the heavyweight presence of the Lord is with you. And when that heavy weight comes upon you, doesn't matter the weight that the world has on you because the weight of God is greater than the weight of the world. I said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we've got to serve notice on Satan this morning. You don't belong in my prayer closet. Get yourself out of my mind. See, about this time of the year, we have to go in the hallway with a little uh, dust buster, and we have to get all the cobwebs out because those little spiders, I don't know where they're coming from, but the devil's like a bunch of little spiders. He's putting a bunch of cobwebs in your mind, trying to cloud out, crowd out. Well, all that God is trying to say so you got to know how the devil operates. you got to know how to identify his tricks, his attacks at the very onset, at the seed level. Because when Satan attacks you, he attacks you at the seed level. That's why he's taking our babies in America. He wants the next gen, so before they're ever born. Are y'all hearing me? I said, he knows that the last day's revival is coming in, and those that are born today could be the very ones to usher it in. So he's snuffing them out. That's why he wanted to snuff out Moses. But I wish I had a few godly women in here that say they were willing to put their baby in the ark of God and send him down the Nile crocodile infested river because being with God in a river full of alligators is greater than being in my house. And look at the protection of God. Jochebed put Moses in there. He ended up in house of Pharaoh. The daughter of Pharaoh's got it. Raised him, prepared him, equipped him. For what? For the burning bush experience. Where God talked to Moses face to face. Woo, I don't know about you, but I love that. In fact, Moses had what we call a theophany. The presence of God in the Old Testament. Can't see him, so he manifests himself in a bush that did not get consumed, but it was on fire. So that everybody would know, this is God. Because any ordinary bush that catches on fire does not self-sustain. Ends up in ashes. But God was speaking. And I believe this morning God's speaking to somebody. 
I believe the Holy Spirit is anointing me to preach this word at this time for this people. And he's got something to say to you. And at the same time, I believe that Satan's trying to snatch it away in the seed formation before it ever festers in your spirit. Because if it gets in your spirit, how many know that seed's going to grow? And God's going to, you're going to believe God by faith and you're going to do great things for God. But if you allow Satan to snatch the seed away, then it's dormant or it's gone, never to live again. So how do we block and stop the devil's assaults? How do you prevent repeat attacks occurring in the future? Well, I believe God's given me the word to tell you. And he wants me to use the conversation between Moses and Pharaoh. And the, and the key point here today is don't compromise. Don't compromise. If God's given you four words to tell Pharaoh, then go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Now, don't you get close to 1130 and look at me and shout, let my people go. Don't you do it because I knew the devil was already working in your mind. Tell you something devilish like that. It's it's serious here. Satan's hope is to destroy your future dreams, plans, purposes, and promises, and we can't afford it. We can't negotiate with Satan at the table of compromise. Can't afford it. We don't make deals with the devil. And God, especially God at the same time, you either love God and hate the devil or you love the devil and hate God, but you can't have it both ways. So Satan has duped a lot of people today. I say it's God's way or no way. I said, this is not deal or no deal. So if you're with God, there's no deal with Satan. And I want to use this dialogue to help you because if we get through it today, good. If we don't, that's fine. But but uh, Moses was with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's going to teach us a lesson on deal and no deal. So so we can learn Satan's tactics and schemes to talk with uh, uh, talk us out of promises. But God has given us authority in the name of Jesus. I wonder if anybody here believes that. Satan has stepped on the neck of the enemy. I mean, no, uh, God has stepped on the neck of the enemy through Christ, and Satan is defeated. Do you not know where Satan is? I said he's already defeated. Jesus has put his foot on his neck, and any military uh, leader will tell you the way that they used to celebrate was when the victory was won, they'd bring the king in, and the leader, the, the other king that took the king and the kingdom, would put his foot on the neck of the defeated king to let the whole world know this guy's defeated. And that's what I want you to get today before you leave this place. We have victory in Jesus. I said we're victorious in Jesus. So the first thing I want to deal with is the word compromise because it's important. Conversations between Moses and Pharaoh proved to be a great lesson on, on all I said all that. So, so let's read the text, and then we'll deal with the word compromise. Exodus 8.25, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to God in the land. Somebody shout, in the land. Going to be important in a minute. Moses said, it's not right to do that, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then we will not stone, then will they not stone us? No, no, no deal, devil. 
We're going to go three days journey into the wilderness, as God said, and we're going to sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. No deal, Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh, if you know scripture, is a type of Satan, type of the enemy, type of the world, type of the flesh. And so there's a conversation going on here, and I want to learn something. I want you to learn it with me. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you might sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. How about that? You know the devil's lying when he tells you to pray for him. Then Moses said, indeed, I'm going out from you. You don't even know it. You think you're the king. You think you're a god, but you're not a god. My god, Yahweh, is God. You just think you're God, Pharaoh, and I'm not going to bow to you. But I will pray for you that the swarms and the flies that are all over you and all everywhere may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So, hey, I'll try to help you. You know, we're living in a world where compassion is overriding righteousness. We're so compassionate to everybody, we can't correct anybody. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, the word of the Lord is still the word of the Lord. So Moses is talking to the enemy, but he's like, hey, okay, okay, let's see. Um, I'll pray for you. But don't you pull these shenanigans anymore. Some of you don't even know what that word is. Let me keep preaching. Never make a deal with the devil or sit at the table of compromise. If you don't get anything else, this is enough to go home with. The word compromise is a process of negotiation in order to get your way out of what seemed to be a hopeless, deadlocked issue or situation. So what we do as Christians is we get in a bind and we try to, to negotiate, okay, and uh, make a deal. It happens all the time. It happens in business, right, uh, where people try to do a business deal. Both parties negotiate. It happens in the law room. It happens in the, uh, in, in the house where the hus- couples, husband and wife, they don't want to get divorced. Let's get together. Let's try to negotiate. It happens in, in countries. They write treaties. Let's negotiate. Let's compromise. Let's not do this diplomatic way to end it. And that's okay in the human way. But in the spirit, God hates compromise. Doesn't work in the spirit. You have a little wiggle work uh, to to move in these other compromising situations. And it's okay. I'd rather live with you than, you know, live without you. So we compromise. Amen? And so, but but in the spirit, it's all God or no God. Are y'all with me? And so in many of these earthly human cases, there's always a situation to satisfy everybody in the end, but not when it comes to the Lord. And I'm here to proclaim with all the Holy Spirit in me that compromise never works with Satan. Why? Because he's greedy. He's selfish. And it's never enough. If you give him this much, if you give him a foothold, I mean, Satan will take advantage of you. If you just start having a seed thought, He's already got a foothold in your life. You've got to crucify the flesh and kill the seed before it ever comes to being. Why, even Satan knew that. That's why he tried to take Moses out. That's why he tried to snuff out all the babies when Jesus was a baby. Are y'all hearing me? Because what does Satan know? He knows if that baby grows up, he will change the world. And he did. And he is. So don't make a deal with the devil. You say, well, 
uh, what, what's happening? Well, first, it's not an option to bend a little or align your life or your principles with Satan in order to get him off your back for a little while. Well, Pastor, there's a lot of pressure. I need a little peace. And that's what happens. You make a peace treaty with Satan. But how many know it's only for a little while because he's a liar and he's a cheat? I don't think anybody's hearing me. Anytime you negotiate with the devil, that's exactly what he wants to happen. He will make a deal to satisfy you for a little while, but his goal is to destroy your future in the end. James said sin, when it is fully mature, brings forth death. So for you to flirt with sin, how many know you need to kill that thing before it really gets bad? If you have a temptation, go ahead and confess it to the Lord. Get rid of it. Crucify. Aren't you glad we have altars in the church? It's not just for the lost to find Christ. It's for the saved to stay with Jesus. Confess your fault one to another. Confess your sins to God. He will forgive you. Amen? But Satan leaves that stuff in there, and it's a bad deal. He's always hoping he will, you know, that you will calm down. He's always hoping I calm down. I'm sorry, devil. I am not calming down. Get over it, buddy. Talk to the hand because these ears are not listening. Well, you're getting older now, Ron. I know, but I'm not getting dumber. Some of God's people are so stupefied when it comes to listening to the tricks and the schemes of the devil. They can't discern between what God is saying and what Satan is saying. And so, therefore, they're exchanging truth of God for a lie, and they start worshiping the creature instead of the creator. And all of that's in the name of compassion. Or do what you want, because God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Well, of course God loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you in sin. Help us, Lord, or let Satan destroy your future. Come on, church. The only reason compromise has a chance is if if there is a chance of changing in the end, the end result. But bless the Lord, we already know the end of the story. I mean, we know the end of the story. Jesus wins. Redemption wins. You don't have to worry about being deceived. I mean, the Lord's coming back on a silver cloud of glory. We know where we're going. We know who wins. He already put his foot on the enemy's neck. You have victory in the name of Jesus through the power and authority of Jesus. So why should we bend to Pharaoh's compromise? Why should we bend to the world's culture? You know, have you noticed how much the church looks like the world lately? My goodness, I can't tell. So I've got to say, I've got to ask different questions. I don't ask where you go to church. I'm like, how much do you love Jesus? Because, you know, there's church everywhere. There's more church and less Christians. Never seen anything like it. We already know the future. And Satan's future is damned. I said, how many know he's already defeated? And so, why should I make a deal with Satan? He's a loser. And when I have a future hope and a victory and claiming the victory today in Jesus' name, somebody shout, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So, it's not, uh, it's not hard. Let's look at the conversation between Moses and Pharaoh and, and, and a type of Satan. So, Moses came to Pharaoh uh, in obedience, and he said, hey, Pharaoh, God said, God's command, let my people go. And Pharaoh wasn't budging. So in chapter 8, we looked at it, right? We looked at it, chapter 8. 
uh, and we read it already. And Pharaoh said, do you, uh, do you not know I'm not budging? In fact, who is your God? I want you to see this. Never make a deal with the devil, the flesh, or the world. It took four plagues before Pharaoh was willing to compromise. First plague was the water in Nile turned to blood, and Pharaoh refused to let the people go. If you remember the plagues, the second plague, the frogs everywhere, frogs everywhere, frogs in the cabinet, frogs in the stove, frogs in the microwave. Yes, Pharaoh had a microwave. Get over it. And so Pharaoh calls on Moses to remove the frogs. Moses, please remove these frogs. I need you to pray. Get your God to get rid of these frogs. Can I tell you, the enemy knows more about God than you do. The enemy, Pharaoh knew that Moses' God was God. These frogs, he was worshiping frogs and flies and lice and the river, worshiping anything and cows and everything, anything but God. But Moses' God was God. I said, he's the one and the only God. So Moses says, okay, if you'll let God's people go, Pharaoh says, I will, I will. When? Read it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I can stop right now and preach on tomorrow. Hey, can I have one more night, Moses, with these dreaded, stinking, filthy, gross, ribbit, ribbit in my bed, frog? That's what sin will do to you. It will make you fall in love with a filthy frog. People are parading today in filth and parading today in perversion and acting like it's a parade. How many know it's a frog? It's a frog. I said it's a frog. Somebody needs to get rid of these frogs. Even the enemy wanted the frogs to be gone. Are you seeing this? One more night with the frogs. Listen, God will not put up with your compromise. How many times have you said one more day? Next week, Pastor, I'll get saved. One more drink, one more time, one more toke, one more hit, one more fair. One more. Tomorrow I'm going to get better. Next week, next week I'm coming to church, I'm going to get saved. But this week I've got a party to go to. And I tell you, you're not promised tomorrow. I said, the Lord could call for you and everything in your born today. Today's the day of salvation. I wish somebody helped me preach here. You don't have tomorrow. Today is all you got. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart again. And after God got rid of the frogs, he refused to let them go. Third plague, lice. Lice everywhere. Magicians, well, the first three plague, uh, two plagues, Whatever that Moses did, the magicians did. Remember, even back to the snake, they did a snake, but Moses' snake ate their snake. I mean, no, Pharaoh's no dummy. He knows who's in charge. Moses' God is in charge. And he's scared and he's intimidated, but he's a bully and he's bluffing. And he thinks he's God. He wants to replace God. Just like Satan thought he was God and wanted to replace God. Because Lucifer, when he was the worship leader, and it's amazing because it's all about worship. Who's, who are you going to worship? Right? And Satan saw all this worship going up to the throne of God, and he said, Well, I'd like to have some of that. And so, you know the story. He got kicked out. How I many know Pharaoh's about to get kicked around, too? So, they came to Pharaoh and they said, Hey, this is the finger of God. Hey, when the enemy knows it's the finger of God, how I many know it's the finger of God? 
And so Pharaoh refuses again. The fourth plague, flies, flies everywhere. I can't stand one fly. I can't even stand one fly in my car. I'm rolling down all four windows, like, and I'm looking for the fly. And I'm like, one fly. And mosquitoes, I don't even want to go there. I went deer hunting one time. I didn't know who was hunting me, hunting deer, or the mosquitoes were hunting me. I felt like one moment I, I, was, I was elevated. That's how many mosquitoes just picked me up and took me and put me somewhere else. Had on a raincoat. It was like. That was the last day I went hunting. I never hunted again. Don't judge me. I just love deer meat, but I, I'm not going to kill him. Hey, Connor, you kill him. Bring him to me. In fact, I want Hallie to kill him because she kills a bigger one than Connor. Come on, brother. Oh, go girls. Go girls. Girls rule. Boys rule. So flies are everywhere in Egypt. But guess where they were not? They were not in Goshen. No, no, no. I want you to see this because there's a difference between where the people of God live and where the people of the world live. In Goshen, there wasn't one fly. But in Egypt, there are flies everywhere. And said, I'm going to show you, Pharaoh, the difference between your people and my people. And Pharaoh wants to make a deal. Now he's ready to talk. Let's take a look a little further into the conversation. He offers Moses the first compromise in Exodus chapter 8. Are y'all getting anything yet? I promise in 15 minutes we'll be done and you can fly out of here. I gave you the text already. Why don't you guys do this, Moses? Why don't y'all worship your God in my land? Isn't that a picture of the church today? I mean, if that's not what the church is doing today, Churches this morning are packed, filled with sinners that have no desire to come to Jesus. And preachers who are not telling them they need to come to Jesus. Why is that? Because they believe the lie that a many people means a lot of money and a lot of success. And you can write a book and you can be a celebrity. But can I tell you, I'm not interested in having a congregation full of sinners. If a sinner comes here, they will become a saint. Just like the rest of us. You know how I got to Jesus? On my knees. Same way you came to Jesus. I mean, no, Jesus is no respecter of persons. If you want to come here and you're living in a a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God, you're not going to be comfortable unless you give up that lifestyle. How many know the rest of us had to get in line with the word and the will of God? You can't live in sin. This used to preach so well. I've never preached this message before, but preaching against sin was a whole lot more acceptable than it seems to be today. I mean, you preached that years ago, Mark. You'd have a Jericho Mark. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm trying to save people's soul from the compromise with Satan. He's trying to talk them into living. Oh, my. Oh, my. God bless America. I don't want to call your sin out. You know it more than I do. So God's word is not going to put up with that. I said God's not going to put up with that. But uh, but Goshen looked different. So verse 23, you go and worship. Uh, go ahead and worship in the land. Do it here. Pharaoh couldn't handle the, the heat, so he tries to retreat and cheat. And so... Moses always stayed ahead of Pharaoh. How I many of you got to be one step of the de- ahead of the devil? And because he knew 
uh, if if they sacrifice in front of Egypt what Egypt worship, you know worshipped, then they would be stoned to death. That's what Moses said. For Moses to sacrifice a cow would mean the death of all the Israelites as they worshipped cows. Remember, the man of God Moses wasn't up on the mountain in prayer five minutes before Aaron and the people made a cow. They forsook, they forsook Yahweh for a cow. Why is that? Why is that, Max? Because they could see a cow. And they were scared of the God they couldn't see. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to see him to know that he's real. He still speaks. He'll speak to you. Don't be afraid of God. Unless you're uh, going to disobey God, then you, you might uh, call on God for repentance. Amen? So, so, so Moses says, what? We're going to go three days out to worship as God commanded us. Uh, we only do what God commands us to do, Pharaoh. No deal. Your compromise is off the table. I don't compromise with you, Pharaoh. Two things I noticed here. Moses knew the value of separation. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be separate, and do not touch the unclean thing. And what's the reward? I will receive you. If you want to be reception from God, if you want to be in the presence of God, you have to separate from sin. Sin and God do not mix. It's like oil and water don't mix. And the other thing I saw was Satan wants us to stay close by the past's failures and sins. Stay close by the world and compromise your flesh. Stay close enough to religion to make us miserable. If, if we move toward the world, we move away from God. Is everybody hearing me? And Satan wants us uh, not to be totally committed to God or the world, but main, maintain a peaceful compromise. It's, it's a trick. It's a snare. Never coexist between God and the world. You cannot serve God and mammon. I said you just can't serve the world and the Lord. I said, Pastor, that's an old school message. It's an old book. And the book is still true. James 4, 4 says, Know ye not that friendship with the world is enemy with God? Whosoever is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So Pharaoh says, stay here, worship your God, have your cake and eat it too. Don't be so, so weird. Don't be so committed. You know, read your Bible and smoke your pot. Drink a beer and go to church. Smoke in the parking lot. Just to have your time. Do whatever you want to do. Fit in. Don't be so religious. It's amazing because when I got saved at 18, I got so saved. How many know what it means to be transformed, radically saved? I was red, hot, on fire for God. There wasn't nothing in the world. I said, God gave me something that the world didn't have and the world couldn't get it from me. I had something from God. And I wasn't about to let Satan take me down that road again. Some people are getting God, but not enough of God to sustain them, satisfy their soul. How I many know oh, you got to get all that God has for you? I said, ah, somebody needs to shout, I want all God has for me. And so my family was excited to see me out of the bar room, but they weren't happy to see me in the church room. It wasn't their church, it wasn't their way. It was religious. So they didn't mind me being religious. I want you to look like the world. You can even hang out with the world and God too. So go ahead. God's not that strict. He loves you. Take another drink. 
fit in. Don't be such a fuddy-duddy, old-fashioned, doom-and-gloom preacher. And then there's another compromise in verse 28. Here's another. You ready for it? Uh, you can go into the uh, go away, but just don't go too far. Don't go too far away. Isn't that something? Don't go too far away. You don't get cozy, you know, uh, with God. Don't don't get crazy about God or fanatic. Cool it down a little bit. It's fine to be religious, but don't take your religion so serious. You could be a borderline believer. You could just be a casual Christian. Slip in when you want. Slip out when you want. You know, dance a little while with God and dance in the bar room on Saturday with God in the church on Sunday. Dance a little with both of them. Mm. Well, in my book, that's hypocrisy. And in my book, that's compromise. Don't get too committed. Some people hate the word dedication. It's too strong for, the, for their level of commitment. So settle down. Be lukewarm. You're, you're making the rest of us look bad. We don't like that conviction stuff. We want to celebrate. Celebrate everything. I'm happy. You're happy. We're all happy. Can I tell you? If I watch your family break apart, you ain't going to be very happy. I'm trying to kill the devil before he destroys your family. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So when your family gets saved, then I get happy. When God does a miracle and transforms a life, I get happy. I'm not happy to see you vomiting all the Saturday night stuff up this morning. Coming in here with a hangover and a headache. So that doesn't happen here, Pastor. No, not here. In other churches. But not here. We're holy. So while the ch- church kind of cowers down in shame for being holy, the world surely is bold in their filth and perversion and parading everywhere and standing their ground. They're not ashamed of nothing. And then in Exodus 10, 7 through 11, I didn't think it would be this quiet, but I'm having a great time up here. One more deal. You want another deal before we leave? All right. Moses said, no way, because God's commanded us to leave this pagan land. We're not staying here. And I already said all that. And I already said that. Pharaoh offers uh, another compromise in verse 28. Don't go too far. I already said that. Don't get crazy. I already said that. Pharaoh offers another one, chapter 10, verse 7 through 11, after more plagues uh, affect the land and the people. So plague five was the livestock began to die. Can I tell you? God wants to get Pharaoh's attention really bad. If, if flies and lice and water turn to blood, the fish, the marine life, now the livestock is dying, the boils from top to bottom from their heads, people are moaning and groaning. Uh, plague seven, hail, hailstones, not like hail we get here, penny size, nickel size, quarter size. You don't want to be around that. And then eight, the locust, the locust swarm. Oh, I'm talking about swarm, ate all the vegetation. Now there's nothing to eat. No meat, there's no vegetation, there's no water, there's no fish, there's nothing. I mean, no, God will empty your barn to get your attention. It'd be better just to obey God. But, oh, hard-hearted Pharaoh, Pharaoh's servants said, hey, how long shall this man be a snare to us? We're dying here, Pharaoh. Get a clue, man. Their God is God. Let the men go. Here's the next compromise. Let the men go. It's almost time to quit, and this is my best point. Let the men go that they might serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? This is the servants talking to Pharaoh. And so Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh and said to them, Hey, go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones you want to go with? Now he's talking. Now he's talking. 
Moses said, well, we won't go with all of our stuff. Oh, I wish I could preach right here. Hey, our young and our old, our men and our women, our sons and our daughters and our flocks and our herds and our trees and our rocks, anything God has given to us, we're taking out of here. Satan, you can't have anything. You can't have my kids. You can't have my grandkids. You can't have my money. You can't have my church. You can't have my county. You can't have anything because everything I have comes from the Lord. I'm taking it all, Pharaoh. Get over it, buddy. I'm out of here. We're going to hold a feast for the Lord. And then he said to them, the Lord, boy, this is a bluff and an intimidation by Satan himself. Oh, Pharaoh said, you better, you know what? The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware for evil is ahead of you. Isn't that just like the devil? Try to tempt you, put fear and intimidation in you, and serve the Lord for what is, well, that is what, now, that's what you deserve, deserve, desire. Now Satan's telling the man of God what he desired. How many know when you get to the place where you're negotiating with the devil, where you begin to take instruction from Satan himself? That's a lie. He twisted, perverted, and then... Because Pharaoh knew he wasn't getting anywhere, he drove him out of his presence. I had the question, why did Pharaoh offer this deal to men only? Because he knew the power and he knew the influence of a godly man in the camp. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. And I, Oak Grove, I want you to help me celebrate every man of God in this house. Every father, every grandfather, every young man, every old man, anybody who's willing to stand in the face of the enemy and say, I'm going to stick with my wife. I'm going to stick with my family. I'm going to stick with my kids and my grandkids. Devil, you don't have enough to offer me. You're taking all my stuff. And my family, I'm getting out of here. Men only. If there was ever a day we need men to be men. Oh, it's today. I said, if there's ever a day we needed a man to be a man, it is today. Never lived in this day. I know there's a lot of confusion out there for one reason or another. But no deal, Satan. I said, no deal, Satan. I am God's man. Oh, and I'm going to be a man. Listen, listen, <laughs> I'm not saying you have to chop wood. But at least you ought to put your pants on. And God never designed you to wear a dress. And Did Pharaoh offer this deal? Why? Why? Oh, oh, I'm about to preach. I'm about to get in some serious trouble up here. Oh, I found out what... I found out what he wanted. I'd ask myself, what does he want? I always question the enemy's motives. Why is Pharaoh making a deal for just a men? Mm. And I think Pharaoh knew the power of a man of God in the house. Satan wants the next generation. He wants our wives. He wants our children. And let the man go. I want the kids. I want to destroy the house of God. I want to destroy the next generation. You give me the kids and I'll just tear it all up. Mm. Can I speak to fathers and husbands for just a minute? I say no to the devil. No way, Satan. Shut up, Pharaoh. 
We have a responsibility to our families. You can't have my kids. You can't have my wife. You can't have the next generation. It's time for us to stand up and be counted. First of all, we need to get our kids and our family out of Egypt. They need to get out of Egypt. And second of all, then never leave your kids behind or abandon them. Because that's Satan's plan. Destroy all of them. He wants you to take the deal. Leave your family behind. Go ahead, Dad. You can be selfish. Do whatever you want. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your kids and your grandkids. Leave them with the devil, and he will destroy every baby. He'll kill the seed before it ever gets up. Are y'all hearing this? Oh, I don't know. I have preached a lot of messages, but never one burning like this one. How apropos. In the words of Brother Hacker, apropos. He used to love that word, apropos. Said it a lot. But I tell you, I'm not willing to make no deal with the devil. Sir, stand up and be the man. Be the man. The church needs some men in the church. And finally, one more compromise, and I'll let you go. It's 1130. Oh, who will give me five more minutes? Let me see your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Deal or no deal, the last one, Exodus 10, 24 through 26. You go, but leave all your possessions in Egypt. Leave it all here. Go and serve your God. Only let your flocks and herds stay here. Take your kids. Take your families. Go. Moses said, no deal, Pharaoh. No way. I need those flocks so I can make an offering. To my God, I need those herds so I can slice their neck and give the very first spotted, uh, uh, pure and spotless lamb to my God. Everything God gave me, I'm going to take with me out of the land so I can give it. I don't know when God's going to require from me what he already gave me. You see, it's just like Job. Satan thought Job was serving the Lord for what he could get out of it. And so God said, okay, go ahead and try the man of God. Take his stuff. Take everything he's got. And he did. Took it all, Max. Took it all. Took his spouse. Took his kids. Took his land. Took his herd. Took his stuff. And the very first thing Satan stole from Job was his livestock. And now Job's left without a worship. Can I tell you, I don't care if I have two nickels to rub together. I still want to keep my worship. You can put me in this land, put me in another land. Keep me in this church, throw me in another church. Put me in a dungeon and a prison. I still have my praise. I wish somebody would get their praise on this morning. Lift your hands and your voice. Clap your hands and give God a praise. Moses said, no hoof left behind. Not one hoof going to be left behind. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. I need my flocks that I might serve and honor my God. We're taking it all. We're going to take it all. But we don't know what the Lord's going to require of us yet. I wish I wish somebody helped me preach a little longer. I just, I told you I had a problem with closing. I want to talk a little bit about what belongs to God. It won't take long. It all belongs to God. It's all God's. And if he asks for it, I want to be ready to give it. You want my house? You can have it, Lord. You want you want my stuff? It's all yours. It wasn't mine in the first place. You can have whatever you gave me. You can have it back. 
The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But does anybody here believe? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Satan tries to juke us and juke us and dupe us. Moses says, none of this is going to help. We're not staying. It's all God's. But we surely will not leave it behind for you to keep. What did Pharaoh know? Pharaoh's motive was, why, why this deal? Pharaoh knew that if, they, if he kept back anything that Israel loved more than Yahweh, they would come back to get it. And I want to close by asking, what are you attached to? What do you love more than serving God? You love your money? Is that what, is that what do you possess possessions or does possessions possess you? That's the question this morning. Because you can't serve God and mammon. I know it's quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'm going to keep preaching. How many times has Satan offered you a deal? He uses your possessions to pull you back into slavery unless you have the victory over that material stuff. Can I ask you, do you possess or does possessions possess you? You remember when Satan wanted to tempt Job? Job said, take it all, just give me Jesus. Well, don't leave anything in your life behind for Satan to use and entice you with. I have nothing left in Egypt for me, so I'm not going back to Egypt. Kiss it all goodbye. I don't want it. And my last page, maybe come, Chrissy, give him a little hope. I only got one more page. See if I have anything up here. Oh, yeah, that's the last verse. And all of you are excited about it. Matthew 6.21, New King James. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Hey, I know it's a rough message, preaching against compromise. But my real goal was not to condemn or, or to, you know, condescend anyone. My real goal was to teach you how to have a conversation with God. With your ears tuned to know when Satan is interrupting. Disturbing your spirit, disturbing your life. Never get at the table of negotiation with the devil. Never, never confront the sudden attacks. Confront them. And no compromise means no regrets. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm ready to tell Satan to get off my case. Let my people go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everything I have is to the Lord. How many is ready to dedicate everything you have back to the Lord? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Say, it's all yours, God. You gave me authority. You gave me power. You gave me the Holy Spirit. You gave me things, and I appreciate it. But I refuse to compromise with the world. It leads to disappointment. It leads to death. And we need to learn how to stand in the face of, uh, of the adversary, in the face of temptation, to say to the world of compromise, no deal. I'm glad you're standing because I want you to stand for something or else you're going to fall for anything. Don't make deals with the devil. Make your decision. Stick to it. Otherwise, Satan will try to strip you of everything God gave you. Every future plan, every future promise. But because Jesus overcome, how many know you can overcome too? Some of you are flirting with disaster. It's time to tell the devil he's trespassing. Get out of here. Otherwise, it's going to cost you your future. 
Oak Grove, we don't plan to adopt the world's practices. We don't plan to, to adopt the world's principles. We're going to stick with thus saith the Lord. And God said, devil, let my people go. These altars are open. Chrissy's going to lead us. God says, get out of Egypt and stay out of Egypt. If you got to take care of business or sin, these altars are open. If you're negotiating at the table, table with the enemy and you're getting confused, the altars are open. If you just want to come and worship the Lord for who he is, the altars are open. Let's turn this place into a place where we take authority over what the enemy done. Put your foot on the back of the devil, on the neck of the devil, and say, no progress no further. You shall not have my mind. You shall not have my spirit. You shall not have my life, my wife, my kids. You can't have nothing because it all belongs to God. No regrets. Come on. Come on.